Welcome to Product Coffee, a podcast where product management leaders share stories, advice, and thoughts on all things product over a cup of coffee. Grab a cup of joe and join us to level up your product career 30 minutes at a time. Awesome. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Um, We'll go through uh, uh, brief intros and then we can kind of dive into some of the questions. But just to kick things off before we do that, we sent out a survey on LinkedIn. We got a lot of great responses from that. I I don't have the numbers in front of me, but one of the hot topics uh, to discuss and what people were curious about was product manager salaries. And Allegra Bishop is joining us from Colorado Product and VMware. And she also had a similar curiosity with the Colorado product crew. We, they did a survey. I'm sure we can get into that more and we have a lot of great insights to share, but uh, to kick things off, I'm Kevin Gentry, um, head of product at a company called Shopping Gives. I'm currently hiring, little plug there. Uh, and uh, yeah, I've been in product for almost around eight years now, variety of different stages of companies, startups, larger uh, 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 enterprise companies. And uh, Shopping Gives is currently a startup under like uh, 30 people. So um, that is me. I'll hand it off to Lou. Hey, thanks all. Thanks, Kevin. Uh, I'm Lou Cirillo. I've uh, officially been a product manager, I guess, for the last two or so years. Um, Most of the time before that, I was a founder for a couple of different startups, et cetera, over the last uh, seven, eight years. And I always kind of held to that uh, head of product kind of title, was always in charge of building things effectively. And I was happy to see that that transitioned pretty well when I went to start work at Ibotta. So now the group product manager of e-commerce at Ibotta. I've been there for about 18 months and it's been uh, absolutely fantastic. We too are also hiring, uh, shameless plug. And I'll probably pass it over to Zach, who I'm guessing is also hiring. (laughs) Um, Thanks, Lou. Soon. I will be hiring soon. So my name is Zach LaGreca. A variety of product experience over the past decade um, at uh, Safeway Albertsons, Ibotta, PayPal, most recently. And now I'm diving into some startup uh, adventures, leading leading product for some for, for some new things there. So um, kind of a, a, a different point in the product journey. Um, and that might be an interesting kind of slant to salaries as we talk about the difference between uh, how you negotiate and look at an offer across uh, different size uh, companies. So um, yeah, I'll go ahead and pass it off to Allegra. Zach. Uh, yeah, my name is Allegra Bishop. Uh, I've been in the industry for a while now, um, and I've kind of had a, a bunch of different, uh, uh, worn a bunch of different hats as a product person. So I've done uh, manufacturing, product management, gov tech, health tech, um, and now I'm actually a uh, uh, in a consultant role at VMware. We are also hiring. <laughs> um, so yeah, another thing that uh, I feel really honored to be able to do is uh, I'm one of the directors for Colorado Products, um, which is a networking group, uh, um, a skill growth group based in Colorado, um, really open to, to anyone though, um, focused on product management and, and different product management skills. Awesome. Well, thank you all for uh, uh, being here and providing your amazing insight. Um, so, so we have a bunch of questions. <laughs> um, we want to know, you know, we want to know the basics. Yep. What are the average salaries and all that for Colorado? I think that's helpful. Um, but I know, um, Zach, you've got, you've got a lot of great questions that we can maybe kick the conversation off. Do you want to lead with one and we can kind of go from there? Yeah. So I, I took a step back and thought about it as I've been a product manager and aspiring product manager. And a lot of my questions are more around, how do I know if, where I'm at salary wise is where I want to be at, or how do I get to the next level of what I want out of my salary? Um, And so I guess my first question would be, um, how can I tell if my salary or my offer is competitive? Um, So what do average product salaries look like? I know there's a lot of variants and we'll get into some of the specific variants, but would love to get some initial thoughts for, particularly from you, Allegra, but from everybody about how do I know if my salary is, is a good salary, if it's competitive? I think the question is competitive might not be the right way to look at it, right? I think the first question is, is it right for me? And do I then need to, because when people say, well, is it competitive? What they're really asking, I think is, is it 
competitive enough to grab my interest or to make me pick something over another, which implies that you have some limit, whether it's, you know, financial from your personal situation or otherwise. So I think the first question is maybe it's not about competitiveness, but it's really about assessing your, your personal situation and deciding if where you are in your career and if that salary actually makes sense for you. Yeah, I like that. Um, and, and maybe I'd love to kind of dive into that a little bit in, in terms of where we're at. But if we can start with like a baseline, Allegra, is there ways that like, how would how would we approach this? Sure. Yeah. So um, I can give a little bit of info uh, just about uh, the salary that the survey that we're probably going to be referencing. So um, Colorado Product puts together a salary survey every year. Uh, we've been doing it uh, the last three years. Um, and, you know, it is specific to the Colorado area. So if you're joining from from elsewhere, you know, this this is Colorado data. Um, there are also a num- number of other uh, groups and resources out there that talk about salary for product managers. Um, things like built in Colorado, things like Glassdoor, you know, the, the classic sources for, for that income. Um, the nice thing about the salary survey, uh, it's about 50 pages long this year. Uh, it was quite a monster, but uh, we, we got a lot of really great insight out of it. Um, and it does go a little bit deeper than what you might find on Glassdoor and, and built in. So um, I, I can speak certainly to the, the numbers that we see on, on that salary, but, or that survey, excuse me, but uh, do take it with a grain of salt and make sure to to look elsewhere too. Um, So when we look at base salaries, I'm going to cover three different roles, um, maybe four, uh, but the the three main ones, uh, again, this is base salary. This doesn't include any stock options, stock grants, doesn't include bonuses. That's definitely something I think we're going to talk through today, which is uh, certainly part of working for a tech company if you've never worked for one before. Um, but what we found in the last, uh, uh, last survey is the average base salary for a product manager is about $110,000, $110,169. Again, that's base salary. Um, a senior PM we see at $140,000. 1778 and then a technical product manager is at 121 274 um, the interesting thing is year over year uh, the average product manager salary has gone up a lot so between uh, our previous 2020 survey and the 2021 survey it went up seven percent which is actually pretty significant um, whereas before it only went up between 2019 and 2020 it only went up about four hundred dollars um, uh, however with our senior product manager group uh, you know, there really isn't that much of a difference between 2020 and 2021. So um, uh, the way that I read that is that the value of product managers is increasing. Um, you know, it is certainly a, a valuable skill that that should be compensated accordingly. What is Allegra, what's the senior versus like product? Like how do I, and then going back to Zach's question, like how do I know that I should be a product manager versus a senior? Like, is that years of experiment experience, sorry, or uh, like, how do you guys define that in the survey? Um, yeah, so uh, there are specific job titles of senior product manager versus product manager. Um, another title that I do want to bring up is an associate or junior product manager. Um, that sits at around uh, 81000 for an average base salary. Um, you know, typically people who don't have product management experience might start at an associate or junior uh, product manager role. Um, I myself started at a product manager role. That's typical as well. Um, and generally, and this is just my opinion, so so don't quote me on this, but um, generally, uh, you know, we see people with three to five, uh, sometimes seven years of experience moving from a product manager role to a senior PM role. Um, we also sometimes do see senior product managers or people uh, transition into a senior product management role um, from uh, similar, you know, consulting type roles, or maybe they were a senior analyst in the same industry. Um, there is some of that that transitioning that happens, but often it is that associate to product manager to senior product manager switch. Um, but, and it is a, a specific title in the, the product industry. Yeah. I'd love to like the, so the um, <clears throat> like personal experiences here, I've also been a part of these smaller startups where um, someone with not that much experience actually has like a head of product role or a director of product role. Um, that's still um, 
exists and can happen, even though you don't have those experiences, but also the pay is probably not the same, right? They're, they might just be in it for the title and it might not actually equate to the salaries. And so I think, you know, with the way that you guys surveyed the, the industry, it, it shows like a good equal representation across all sizes, which is kind of nice. Um, so you can kind of know what to expect, but I wonder if anyone has a personal story from their career about, um, and, and would be comfortable sharing what their salary was and, and kind of moving through that, uh, you know, maybe early stages. If not, I'm happy I, to go. Yeah, I, I can go first. <laughs> um, I, so one of my really early product salaries was really low. Um, like I was in, in the San Francisco area. And I was um, a product manager for, I, I don't know if I should say the company name or not. I was a product manager for a, um, an online insurance uh, company working on their, their e-commerce applications. Um, and my salary was 70,000 base, um, kind of as a, a product manager with about three, two to three years experience. Um, so definitely on the, on the low side, especially for the, the area and the market it was in, I took it because I hadn't had a formal product title at that point. And I wanted to kind of get that on my resume. So I guess one note about this story is that, you know, I took a, a less than optimal salary because, you know, my wife and I were able to make that work at the time. And I, I wanted that on my resume. I wanted to be able to go to future roles and say, you know, I actually have product experience. The, the startup work I had done before that, I felt like I actually had done product work and I had, but I had never held the title. Um, so sometimes depending on where you're at, you might make trade-offs that you might not otherwise make. That's something I chose to do at that point, but it was really low. And so as you can imagine, I, I was not at that job for super long. Um, and so- Zach, know, how long were you there for? Was it like a year? Was it more than that? Or? I think it was a year and a half. Okay. Um, yeah. So not super long, but also, you know, not like six months, uh, right. long enough to, to build and launch some stuff and, uh, you know, have, have some impact on the business, um, which I think is important. But yeah, so that was, that was an, kind of an early, not quite associate level. It was, you know, kind of a, a more early level product role. Um, and uh, one of the things I did from that point is I, that salary felt low. I didn't necessarily know what a lot of my colleagues' salaries were. It wasn't a transparent culture, um, but I had a few friends who were willing to tell me, and I was definitely lower than I should have been. Um, and then, you know, with tools like Glassdoor, I was able to start doing some research online and say, okay, it seems like a you know, product manager should be making, you know, uh, dozens more, uh, thousands of dollars uh, annually for the base salary. And so that was kind of something that I started factoring in is, you know, I should probably be looking somewhere else to see where my skills would be a good fit is a way for me to be able to bridge that gap, uh, for base salary. I love that. Yeah. We, uh, I'll tell a little bit of story about mine, uh, my past, but that I was working for a digital ad agency, uh, advertising technology platform, and they, um, I transitioned into product. So I was already working at the company, but from a role into that role, and it was more of like an operation specialist role to a, a product role. So, um, I actually started at a, a 60 and, and I was working in Boulder. Um, you know, I did have options and stuff at that point, but that was kind of what I was working with in terms of package. Um, and yeah, like, like Zach said, that's super low. It's, it's low for the role at the time. It might've been okay, especially entry level. And I thought again, kind of going under the same mentality that Zach was in, I need some of this experience. I need it under my belt. I already knew the industry, which was good. And that a lot of people do that and to get how to get into product is knowing the industry and then learning the hard skills of product. Um, and, and so that's, I saw that opportunity and I took that and again, it, financially and personally, I was able to do that, um, and take that risk as opposed to, um, you know, uh, um, not being able to maybe, maybe further down the line, if you, you have family, kids, more responsibility, it could be a little, uh, more of a daunting, uh, pay cut to take, but yeah. Sounds like we were all kind of highlighting these early jumping off points into product as a. Yeah, the first one was low because it was for me too. And I think that's kind of by virtue of just the nature of any entry-level position you're going to start, right? If you're coming yeah. into product management, having been a 
senior level engineer or something of that nature, naturally, when you switch into product management, you're going to go right into it. But if you or you're going to go in maybe at like a mid level or a higher level, especially if it's within the same company. And so I think there's that kind of concept of first step is get your foot in the door. And if you've got that role on lock, then we can start thinking about, okay, well, maybe you do, as Zach said, you take the $60,000, $70,000 a year. And then when number com- two company comes along, then you move up. That was actually, for me, I was at similar, about a 65, 70 range with a startup. And then I went to another startup and was able to get over a hundred uh, pretty quickly just from them, uh, simply because I started knowing what my value was and I knew what I was worth. And, you know, as it kind of goes along, right, you get more more sense of and more assurance that you are worth what you are. And that's, I think, what kind of comes the later. Yeah, it's that career. competency. Yeah. Yeah. Something else that uh, that we saw in the survey that was interesting was uh, minimum uh, salaries for certain roles. So if you look at individual contributor, um, the mid- minimum or the, the lowest salary in, in that, uh, kind of area that we saw was around 56,000. Um, but even for leadership, the minimum, the person who noted the lowest salary of anyone with a leadership title was $75,000. And that's really low. You know, we're, we're talking about, uh, chief product officers, director of product, group product manager, head of product. Um, you know, that it's certainly something that happens in people's careers that they do take, uh, you know, a significant pay cut, especially if you're starting a company, right. Yeah. Um, that, that happens all the time. So it's a, it's a, it's certainly something that you, you want to think about. Um, and I know that a lot of people on this, this call were able to, to, to make that decision and it can be really good for your career overall. Um, but it's, it's something that, that has to be an individual choice. I think it's probably worth saying that we should bucket it into two categories, the enterprise grade size companies, like let's say, you know, maybe we'll go anything that's 40, 50 people and over and anything that's that size and below. Because if you have a company that's generating revenue from a startup perspective, that kind of changes the game versus if you're in that initial like proof of concept, maybe we're fully venture funded, maybe we're still figuring out what our revenue model is level. Like you're not going to see those salaries unless it's some, you know, huge VC backed firm out of Silicon Valley, you know? Yeah. So I think maybe we and should there, I mean, shares kind of come into play there. Right. I think that that's kind of what you're playing or betting with. Right. Yeah. Um, is that full package and that, that changes, it's more of a bet. It's more of a swing, but, um, that, that might be more enticing if you can handle that pay cut in base, but that. One thing that I do uh, want to chat about really quick, because it was something super interesting that I found when I was doing the analysis, is I've always had the misconception that if you work at a startup, you're going to get paid less. Yeah. Um, the data did not show that at all, um, which was interesting. There were a couple of roles, like scrum masters get paid a lot more at a bigger company, at, a, at an established company, by a significant amount. Um, but otherwise, there really wasn't that much of a correlation, um, which I thought was, was pretty fascinating. Um, again, this isn't like, you know, people didn't take this survey, but, uh, uh, I thought that that was interesting too, because before I got into product, I certainly, I had this conception in my head. I want to work at a startup. It seems so interesting. It seems like such a fun problem to solve, but you know, will I be, be giving up that earning potential? Um, and sometimes we see that that's true. Right. But, uh, with, with the Colorado product community, at least it, it wasn't the case, which I thought was really fascinating. Well, yeah, one of the other things we could talk about is what is that full comp, what is that full package, right? What, is, what are the other elements that go into it? Because I think you're kind of hitting up, we're kind of hitting on some good points of what's all involved, right? Is it just the base salary, but you could go into a company that maybe uh, only pays for part of your health care versus one that fully does. Uh, I know a lot of companies here in Denver will do full coverage. Maybe you've got a family and they only cover an individual or their rates are there. So I think it's I'd say let's break it down into the different things. You've got your base salary. If you've got bonus or variable compensation, then you've got uh, stock options, dividends, RSUs. And then last but not least is kind of other work benefit perks like healthcare, insurance, um, things of that nature across the gamut. And I think that can really sway the difference. Maybe you'll take a lower base salary, but you really want that variable comp to be super high because you know you're an overperformer. Oh, that. So I got a question for you guys. How do you know? Because I remember being in the situation uh, similar to what Zach kind of mentioned, that feeling of like, maybe you hear from coworkers that are on the same level as you and you're like, whoa, you're making that? 
and I'm making this like, how do you know, you know, um, if your salary justifies the work that you're doing? Like, how do you know that you could do something, uh, better somewhere else or, um, or maybe you're overpaid and you're lucky that you, you know, you got in there. Like, how, how do you kind of identify that when you're in that moment? You know, I heard one of the best things on a different podcast about this and it was, uh, first stop comparing yourself, you know, uh, which is the most interesting part that I heard about it, which was first stop comparing yourself. There could be many reasons why, uh, you know, somebody else has a truly different salary than you do. Right. And it's not, and you don't know. And yeah, maybe you could ask them, but realistically, the first thing is stop comparing yourself. Right. You've come into a company and elected to do a job at a certain price. And then if it's about getting your salary up to another level, you should be asking yourself, what can I do to like get my salary up? How can I perform better to really showcase that so that people bring it up. I'm curious if everybody else has a similar thought, but that's what actually stuck out to me from a different podcast. I, I think it's a good mindset to not be comparing yourself, but I don't think that should be uh, completely binary. Um, so I think it, it's still useful to have those data points to know what are people generally paid? Um, because yeah, there might be some really interesting factors and that's part of what you have to figure out. Um, but if you have the data points of generally what a product manager is paid, um, throughout the industry in your area, look for the types of companies that you're looking at on Glassdoor, on LinkedIn, um, that are similar size companies, similar you know, revenue or industry. Um, and try and get a sense for like, what is the average salary there? And if you're way, way above or, you know, way lower that you can use that for calibration. You know, if you're way above, then maybe you reset your expectations a little bit. Um, if you're, but if you're, you're way under, then that's where you start to think about, well, how do I, how do I change the circumstance? And I think one of the things you're getting at Lou is you don't want to be in a place where you're just like, you know, bitter or irritated that, you know, I, this is what I should be making, even if it's true. Um, I think the most effective thing you can do is take that data and figure out what's the most efficient way for me to be paid what I'm worth. And many times that will involve looking externally outside the company you're currently at. Most companies are not going to say, here's an extra, you know, 30, 30 grand a year to your base salary. Um, Not saying that would never happen, but I think use those data points for calibration and to, to start deciding what do you want your compensation to look like comparative to the industry. See, yeah, that's kind of an interesting point where you are compared to the industry. I, I'd take a step back and still kind of say, like, compare it in amongst yourself and, and the performance of which you're, which you are given. And that way you can really say, am I providing so much value that I'm worth it? And can I, this, can I show that? Right. Like, I think that's the part that, you know, every the ROI um, that justifies the salary. Yeah. Well, I mean, on the management perspective, right at the end of in every performance review, right. When you're going to give somebody a bonus or a raise or anything of that nature, what you're doing is making an economic justification about why it's worth paying that person five, 10, 20, $30,000 more than what they were being paid. Um, you know, that's really what you're doing. And that's what the manager mindset is going through is, is that really, am I getting my return on investment by, you know, by inve- continuing to invest both personally and economically into this individual? Yeah, that's yeah, interesting. Think- oh, sorry, go ahead, Allegra. No, please go ahead. If you're going to finish the thought, please do. Oh, I was just going to say that's, that's something I thought about when I was um, starting to look is, am I being paid adequately? This feels kind of low. So I started to compare to other jobs um, in my industry and I would look at the job descriptions and, and think, am I, you know, they're willing to pay higher. Am yeah. I doing a lot of the bullet points that they're mentioning? But go ahead, Allegra. Yeah. I was just going to say, you have to be your own biggest advocate, right? Um, it is your job and your job alone to get the salary that you want. Um, Kevin kind of hinted at this, but uh, especially if you're going for a product role, you should be able to prove out the ROI of your own investment, right? Uh, it's it's something that even if I've done this before, where I've come to an employer and brought them a rap sheet of like, here's everything. Rap sheet is not the right word. Here's here's my shining star list of accomplishments. Here's what I've done. Here's how much money I think it's made, et cetera, et cetera. And it's really powerful. Um, just going back really quickly, I, I actually do compare myself to other people um, when it comes to salary. And I think a lot of that, 
uh, has to do with making sure that I'm willing to stand up for myself if something isn't equal, right? Um, I, it goes without saying that uh, uh, women do tend to be paid less, especially in technology roles. So um, I probably have a slightly different perspective, but um, I really like to know, um, you know, now that, uh, and I hope that this is correct, but uh, that new law that got passed, uh, one, I know for sure that they have to list the salary range on any job uh, uh, posting in Colorado is excellent, um, but also that you can't be penalized for sharing your salary with other coworkers. Um, I think that that's really, really important and something like that, that. Um, yeah. yeah, it's it's great. And it can be so powerful, right? You can have that conversation. And certainly if there's somebody who has, you know, a, a, a master's in machine learning at a company that specializes in machine learning and I don't, we have the same title and same years of experience, but you know, they have that, that added benefit and the company feels like it's, it's worth that much more. Um, it's helpful to start to think about, okay, well then I can, based on the difference between their salary and mine, start to understand the value of something like, you know, an, an additional uh, degree. Um, but I think, you know, it's, it's, it's so important to be your own advocate and, and to, to be thinking about those things because uh, no one else is going to do it for you. It really is. It's, it's your responsibility in your career. Yeah. I, I, you know, and I agree that I think being your own advocate is the key part of the, the piece here. I've definitely done it right where I've said, here's where my salary is and here's where I want to be. And here's the value I can provide. And here's what my comps are. And I think that's a completely rational statement to have. I think the reason you know, that I would say when people think about the comparison is, you know, don't let yourself get in that headspace that that's all consuming, right? Get in the headspace of how I can move this forward and how if I want to get another $20,000, I can feel confident going to my manager and saying, hey, this is where I want to get to. Let's make that happen. And that's that's where I mean, like, nobody wants to hear, um, you know, uh, Jim over here is getting 20 K more than me. Uh, what, what the heck? That, that's not really the right way to approach it. Sure. Right. But also maybe Jim should be getting, maybe you and Jim both should be getting 30 K more, right? There, that's certainly something that I've, I've experienced in companies where oh, yeah. everybody is underpaid potentially mm -hmm. right back in, back in the day. So um, no, it's great. Great point. Yeah. I, I, I think those are some important points. Like there's different perspectives uh, on this. I think it's, it's good not to, you know, be too frustrated or resentful, but how do we look at changing these things? And then I think there are groups of people, you know, women have been paid less than men, just that's like data we have available. So that needs to change. And the best way for that to happen is for that data to be available. Uh, you know, a big thing that Kevin and I were, and Lou, we were talking about is when we kind of made that jump from a lower salary into a, a better kind of range of product salary, it's because we started to realize what we were worth. And so I think we need to make sure that that information is available, um, especially for those who maybe are undervalued, especially systemically, so that those you know, those changes and jumps can happen. And obviously there's a lot of details that go into those things, but um, yeah, I, I think it's important to know, it's important to know what the industry is generally willing to pay for your role. Um, even if you don't know all the details, because that does give you a range, it, it helps you know where you can negotiate as well. You know, if a salary range is 120 to 150, you know, and you come in asking for 300, they're not going to consider you because they can't afford you. Um, but, you know, if you don't know that the salary is 120 to 150 and you come in requesting 100, you may not realize that you could have pushed for a lot more. And so I think those are some of the data points that we want to make sure we understand is, you know, where do I think I could I can negotiate? And then the other piece of it is the value you bring for the business. Um, you know, your accomplishments, especially if you can quantify them. You know, we I launched this product and over the course of, you know, the last year it has driven 500K in revenue or a million in revenue. Um, those are really helpful at being persuasive. But again, those aren't going to like make it so that you can get a 500K salary in most cases, I would assume. Um, but they can help you negotiate to the high end of those salary bands that are already in place. Where are these 500K salaries, Zach? I, don't know. <laughs> um, I think, I think like Facebook, Google. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there you go. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, so I think Allegra, what about the, um, so, so this, to double down on that gender gap, the, the, maybe it, 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 do you guys have a racial gap in there as well? Like, what does that look like in Colorado? Yeah, uh, so we've done the gender gap analysis for the last couple of years. Uh, I am happy to say that it is increasing. So uh, year over, sorry, it is the 
the gap is decreasing. Okay, um, what's good. what's <laughs> increasing? <laughs> apologies. What's increasing is the uh, amount per dollar that women make when compared to men. So, um, you know, it does. Uh, 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 it. It's not perfect. You know, we do see uh, women making an average of about $10,000 less than men uh, across all roles. Um, for leadership roles, it's upwards of $20,000 um, uh, difference. Uh, we also see that there are a lot fewer women, about half as many women uh, in leadership roles by percent than there are men. Um, but there's the same amount of experience. So on average, men in the Colorado product community only have about a year more experience in product and working experience overall. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's not perfect. Uh, women in some roles, you know, do make more than men in, in their roles, uh, uh, which is, uh, also not good, right? Like we, we want to make sure that the, the playing field is, is even, um, but there, there is a, there is a big, gap there. Um, year over year in the last three years, we have seen about a 10 cent increase per dollar made uh, for women. So it's not quite dollar per do dollar, but um, it's getting closer. Maybe uh, to that point, why don't we why don't we talk about how how you can increase your salary? What are what our key tips and tricks are when when it makes sense to leave? Go on. I know, I know we've all gone through it. Uh, who wants who wants to start off? Let's share our top bits of advice. Leave a, leave your company. <laughs> I find I find the biggest opportunity to to get a, a higher salary is to find a position somewhere else. Um, obviously, having the experience is nice, but um, and typically, product managers, what I've seen, spend the average of two to three years at a company and then kind of move. Um, I think that's the nature of what we do today, you know, because we like to solve customer problems. And once we solve them or get a pretty good um, uh, a solution going, then we're kind of wanting the next challenge. Um, but I think, you know, learning that way and jumping and trying different industries is maybe one of my best tools to do so. I'd agree with that. Yeah, I, I would just say it depends a little bit on what you're optimizing for. Um, so if it's you're just optimizing for salary, then yeah, you're, you're probably best suited to go somewhere else. Um, so before you do that, make sure you understand what you really want out of out of your role. But assuming it is compensation, um, then that's that's probably it. Um, depending on the scale of company, you might be able to negotiate more like variable compensation to stick around. I think companies tend to be more flexible with. Uh, things like that, that give you alignment and reasons to stay. But yeah, I, I would say be willing to go somewhere else and get out of your comfort zone. Um, and kind of like we've already summarized, make sure you understand like what the, the industry averages are, because that's going to give you a decent window to allow you to negotiate, you know, whether or not your current role is, is doing every single thing that a specific role will have that, that kind of gives you a target to aim for. Um, the other piece of advice I'd say is don't be afraid to um, try and negotiate a little bit higher than you're comfortable with. Don't go crazy, but if your gut tells you, okay, I'm going to go for 125 base salary and you know, 10% variable. Don't be afraid to bump those numbers up a little bit for negotiation. Um, that's how negotiation tends to work. And if you're a little high, but they like you, they'll, they'll just tell you they can't go beyond a certain point. Um, but more often than not, any company that, that is a good company to work for and is worth their salt will um, either, you know, be willing to negotiate with you, or even if they can't you know, raise anything, um, you won't be penalized for it. And if you are penalized for it, that's not a company you want to work for. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, I think, I think the first key is to just try to negotiate. Um, you know, it really used to scare me, especially at the very beginning of my product career where, you know, I would have been, I would have worked for, for very little money, uh, you know, to, to get that product title for sure. Um, but as, as the years go the by, same way, yeah. 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 Right. Cause like that is the key to breaking into product is getting that title. I hate it. I, I don't <laughs> like that that's the case, but it does make a really big difference. Um, but just being willing to negotiate in general, um, Going back to what Kevin said too, I do think that it's important to, uh, what I tend to do is if I know raises are coming around, if I've been really communicative with my manager about what raise I think I deserve, you know, put it out there why I think that that, that is uh, um, uh, reasonable and logical and makes sense, um, you know, put your, put your threshold 
say say uh, out loud, you know, this to yourself. This is the uh, this is the number that I'm hoping to get this year. And if I don't get it, then I really need to think about moving elsewhere because I think it is easy to get complacent. Um, and and uh, that that worth, as we see, as the the average product manager salary goes up and up over over the years, and more so than inflation, right? Um, it is a valuable role, and you should be willing to negotiate. You should be able to to uh, uh, stick to it because good companies will want you to negotiate. I love setting the vision for like, or your like dream board of where you want to be. And like, I guess, you know, after you get the job, you have the salary and then where would you see it a year out? I think that's a great practice. I, we had, uh, my wife and I decided, you know, we're not going to have kids unless, you know, we're collectively making this. And and then at that point, then we can go and, and do the things we want to do. Um, and, and it's, it's almost like your, uh, uh, your moonshot goals, your, your kind of key metrics, you're driving your product towards. Um, so it was kind of fun to, to go through that, but it also was just a driver is some motivation to get there. Right. Sure. I think out just outside of just having that target, like, why are you wanting that target and have that drive? Some of your negotiation would be helpful or your, I think, I think that got to the point that I made right at the beginning. Right understand what it is that you're looking for and what your vision is and compete against your yourself, right? If you want to buy a new house and you know that you need an extra X in order to get there, right? Think about that as you're, as you're factoring that in. And I think um, Allegra made a really great point, which is, and this is another thing is confidence. No, all the documentation is out there to tell you what you're worth. And as you're approaching people, stick to your guns and say, especially when you write that first response email back, whether you're going to accept the offer you're going to counter, however you're going to do it, say, you know, one, thank you very much for the offer. Uh, Two, I believe because of these reasons, I am worth this amount. And, you know, is this something you guys would be willing to do? And I think that holds in in all cases is the confidence in being able to say, this is what I think we're worth. And I think I've noticed amongst a lot of people that unless you really are willing to stick your neck out there and be afraid to be told, and most people would be afraid to be uh, to be told no, you're going to hear no a couple of times, probably. But then a few times you're going to hear yes, and it's going to work in your favor. Um, the first time I did pitching. But know your I, worth. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead, Lou, sorry. I was going to say no. The first time I, I think I did pitching for investors, I pitched close to 200 investors and I got 16. I, whole, I heard no a whole lot. So it uh, applies here too. One other thing that. too that I'd love for us to touch on just really quick is salary is excellent, but there is more to salary, to stock compensation, to bonus compensation. Um, you know, it's great if you get all of those things and a lot of opportunity, um, but that because, uh, uh, you know, at the point that I'm at in my career, I am really looking for opportunities to grow. I'm looking to challenge myself. I'm looking for places where I can kind of show my stuff, you know, show what I've got, really make an impact. Um, and so, you know, a lot of that, that has, uh, uh, led me to take on a lot more responsibility in the roles. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the dollars sometimes follow with that and sometimes they don't, but, um, you know, money is important, but it's not everything. And, and tech salaries are great. Like we're all doing great, right? Tech salaries are very good. So make sure that you're thinking outside of just that, that dollar sign too, um, because you can work for a terrible company that pays you a ton ton of money and be miserable, right? We've all, we've all heard those stories from, from friends and family and and acquaintances, certainly. I think that's maybe one of the most important points is, would you be, would you really be happy with, with that role aside from the salary? Um, That should be a big consideration. Um, Are you excited about their products, their industry? Um, And Obviously, you know, you don't have to be a hundred percent excited or the salary doesn't have to be hundred percent perfect, but you should be factoring that in. Do I like this place? Another big piece of that is, do I like the people I interviewed with? Does it seem mm-hmm. like, are these people I want to spend, you know, 40, 50% of my waking hours or however, I'm, I'm not doing math, but however long <laughs> I spend, um, depending on how many waking hours you allocate towards work, um, do I want to spend this much time with, with the people I talked with? Um, and that's a big part of it too. So make and sure the hiring clear. manager, right? I mean, the person that's going to be your, your coach and manager, like, is that person, someone that you're receptive and excited to learn from? Like that's super critical in order to make those, uh, make that decision. Right. I think I, I personally taken salary cuts because I knew that I could learn 
and grow my skills and the potential for that role, it has an upside, like Allegra mentioned, right? So kind of plan when you're when you're negotiating or thinking about making accepting an offer is to to where this role could potentially lead you within that organization. Is there a path to CPO or is there a path to director or group or senior, your next level at this organization? And that should factor into that full package, right? Yeah, I think the other thing too that I would uh, caution people about with stock options and a few other things, smaller companies, bigger companies, is is to think about what the liquidity on those things are, right? If the company has a light, a good chance of going public or being acquired, then it's great to accept a large amount of extra stock options or anything in the business. But if maybe if they're smaller and you can't see through that path of when, where, and how you they can exit, uh, it might not be a good choice. It might not be a risk worth playing. Um, you know, I think a lot of people can get and, you know, feel like, oh my gosh, I'm going to get a lot of stock options at this company. But uh, I think we've all been around the clock and seen how uh, some startups don't go well, you know? And does anyone have a success rate on the stock shares? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) They want to share. (laughs) Yeah. I don't have any specific data points, but hit or miss is the, I think the scientific term I'd use. I've been uh, in transparency. I've been a part of four different stock, uh, uh, Four different companies that gave me granted me stock options that vested zero have panned out. That's my success rate. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a bit of a dice roll, which it can be cool, you know, and it can get yeah. you excited about like if you're really excited about a startup and the vision. Uh, if you want to stick around and try and make that a reality, then then maybe you go in on that. But otherwise, realize that it's it's a roll of the dice. I'd love to share just one more thing that I've done in the past with salary. I've thought about in different roles, how many hours a week I work, because if you think about it, if you're in a role where you work 40 hours a week and you're paid X amount and you're in a role where you're paid 80 or you work 80 hours a week and you're still paid that X amount, you're actually getting paid half as much. So that's something that I've thought about a lot as someone who is Hopefully now a former workaholic, I'm working on it, Um, but it's really important, right? I work for a company now that is very, very, very specific about only working 40 hours. They feel like it's very important. I'm super thankful for it. Um, And that was actually a really big deciding factor, right? Is uh, uh, it's simple division, but it makes a, it makes a big difference when you think about how much you're getting paid per hour worked, Um, you know, because sometimes at startups, you're expected to, to work a lot more, not always, sometimes at very big companies, you're expected to work a lot more. So um, salary is not just in the number. And I think that that's why, uh, at least in the salary survey that we put together, we try to break it out in a number of different ways um, because there's a lot to think about. That's a great point. The flip side of that, and I've, I had this happen to me once, is you might have an opportunity that pays significantly more, but the amount of work is going to be like the amount of time work spent working is going to be significantly more. And so you need to calculate that too. So I was interviewing with with Tesla, I don't know, six, seven years ago for a, a PM role. And obviously it sounded super exciting. Um, and one of the deciding factors for me not, not to go with it um, was that one of the questions I was asked several times is, are you comfortable regularly being having to stay in office until 7 or 8 p.m., like on five, six days a week, depending on what's going on? And the point I was at in my life, my wife and I had just had our first daughter. She was like six months old. So it just wasn't feasible. And so I ended up having to decide this is an amazing company that whose mission I love. Their products are awesome. And it would have been incredible on a resume and it did pay more than what I was doing currently, but it just did not work because the, that, that calculation didn't pan out at the time. Love that mental health is so important in our roles because true product managers are thinking about our products all the time. Like that's really what we're doing. And, and to be able to clock off and mentally clock off is, is, is a challenge, but I appreciate Allegra's workplace kind of enforcing some of those things. Cause sometimes we just need that kind of nudge to, to knock ourselves out of thinking about it 24 um, seven and, and help recharge our brains. <laughs> Love that. Um, is there any other insights Allegra that was kind of, uh, you know, um, new this year uh, prior to other years that you you that we haven't shared um 
Yeah. One thing that I thought was interesting, uh, there was a similar number. This is something that we haven't really touched on as far as a compensation package. Uh, there were similar, similar number of people um, receiving unlimited PTO as previous years. Um, but something that we've asked year over year is if you have unlimited PTO, how many days do you actually take. Um, so about 54% of our community has that unlimited PTO. You know, most people take between 10 and 20 days, mostly 15 and 20 days. But something that was really fascinating is the last 12 months versus the 12 months preceding that, um, there was a vast decline in the number of people taking PTO. So during this pandemic, I don't know if it's people having to pivot and work extra hard or you're not getting on a plane, so you're not going to go on vacation. Um, that was something that that I found to be really, really interesting. Um, and so maybe for, for those listening, think about how much PTO you took in the last 12 months and compare it to the previous 12 months. And it's if it's low, you know, Maybe it's time to to get some of that R and R like Kevin was talking about. I like. I think um, our manager at Ibotta when we were all working there really put an emphasis on that we we shift from an unlimited to a fixed because we thought that that would also force employees to take that because that expires at the end of the year. And you know, I loved his motto was is to you know if you're not going to take it by the end of the year, we're going to force you to take it. <laughs> and so it's just like this. I love that kind of like, again, attention and uh, appreciation for that, that uh, uh, recharge time um, that we all kind of need. So I think in the unlimited PTO, I, I agree though, it doesn't, you don't feel that you're missing out on anything if you don't take it. And I think that's the risk and that why I think a fixed PTO is, um, is, is more beneficial for the employees, uh, uh, mindfulness, but yeah. I think we're kind of all getting into the point here, which is consider the whole picture when you pick a different company, right? Consider your stage in life, consider what you need for your family, consider what you're willing to put in. Maybe you're willing to put in that 80 hours at Tesla or whatever else it is. Cause you want Tesla on your you know, on your, your resume, uh, consider whether or not you want to take the risk of more variable comp or more stock options and considered with base salary, right? And think these things through as you apply for that offer and decide what matters more to you. And you might find that it's not, you know, the uh, just the salary number, but maybe it's everything else. And educate yourself. We have this survey. This awesome, great research that Colorado Product did. So look at the survey, understand it. Um, that helps you so much in your career, understand the potential, know your worth and kind of, and, and always, I like the, you know, putting that, that question, um, or, or the reminder to, to check your worth too. Um, cause sometimes we don't even take the time to do that. Just like pause and reflect and, and kind of, uh, um, move forward on that. Um, okay. So we're going to do a couple things. We're, we're rounding out the time here. We're going to provide homework to our listeners. And, and we're going to leave a section for plugs. Okay. So for the homework, I'm going to start with Allegra. Do you have anything as a kind of like an assignment for our listeners? Um, I would say that every product person should do this anyways, because product is hard, right? It's, it's, it's a tough job. Um, and, uh, I think people can, can burn out. That's also something that we saw a lot in the community. Um, like we were talking about with that list of accomplishments, knowing your worth, I think that's something that everyone should have going constantly anyways, whether or not you're actually looking. Um, it's also way easier if you already have it going when you start thinking about looking and, and all of your accomplishments are there. So um, that's probably what I would recommend as, as maybe some, some homework is to put something like that together. Zach, do you have anything for us? Yeah, I, I would say... Um, much like you might make a, a product vision and a product strategy for anything you're working on as a PM, um, create your career vision, you know, write up a couple sentences of if you're successful with everything you want in the next 10 to 15 years, where are you in your career and in your life? What are some of the steps you need to get there in your career to make that happen? That might be, I need this type of experience. I need this type of title to get to this type of title. Uh, or it might be, I'm trying to make a certain amount of money or a combination of these things. I want to be at these types of companies, write those things down so that as you are then considering these different opportunities, you're, you're not losing sight of um, the, the motivations for what you're doing. Um, so that would be my piece of advice. 
What do you got for us, Lou? Say, um, I kind of agree with Zach, but also be bold, right? Uh, negotiating a salary is not an easy thing. It's a nerve wracking thing. You will feel probably one of the most uncomfortable things you will ever feel in your life is having that conversation with your manager or potentially a new hire where you are asking for something above what they've offered you. And my advice would, my homework um, is if you feel that way and you feel that it is the time for you to have your salary be increased at your current work or your time to look at another position, be bold and say what you're looking for. You'd be surprised how much good can come from just simply telling somebody. Um, and I'll round it out with this. I think this is a good practice that I have in, in, in my career, but um, create a reminder once a quarter, sit down, reflect on that last quarter and write down your accomplishments. Treat them as bullet points in your resume and, and, and always out, try to outdo this. So then you can always remind yourself of what your worth is. And you can always use that as an ROI calculation for your future employer or your uh, raise. Um, I think that's a good practice to do. And it also helps you just, just reassure you that you're doing the right things or, or realize and, and uncover that you're not accomplishing as much as you want in your career. And, and you can at least have that time to reflect and, and adjust. All right. With that, cool. Where can you find us? Um, uh, uh, we're going to be on Apple Podcasts. We're going to send this out. Um, it'll it'll be on all, all sorts of podcasting platforms. Um, so you can listen to that. GA is going to post a video about it. So we'll be all on all the places. Um, we can find the Colorado survey. I'm going to include a link to the Colorado product survey results in the podcast description. So you can go ahead and look at that. The podcast again is product coffee. So look that up on all the podcasting platforms, Apple, Google, all that stuff. Um, and then what else, any other plugs from the group? If you want to join Colorado products, you can go to coloradoproduct.com. Our Slack community is our most active. So there's a Slack tab, tab at the top and uh, you can fill out the prompts there. Awesome. And then, yes, we are all hiring. Um, we have our jobs in the description. You can you can always reach out to productcoffee, I think, at gmail.com, I think is our email. Um, I'll double check on that. Um, and then you can, yeah, just, just hit us a note, connect with us on LinkedIn and all that. Um, and it looks like we finished up our coffee. So go level up. Worst case scenario, we've got these clips for later. <laughs> exactly. I can always put them. I like putting sometimes like bloopers at the end uh, just to hear us mess up the intro. Or <laughs> it's fun. What are you talking about, Kevin? I never mess up the intro. That's true. <laughs> That's me kidding. and Zach. <laughs> I, I don't think I've done an intro in, in forever. Well, now you... I just pre-recorded it. So it's it, yeah, that way yeah. we don't have to do it. It's just boom. Because we, we kept messing it up. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. Welcome to Product Coffee, a podcast where product professionals from Ibotta share stories, advice, and thoughts on all things products. Let me do that one more time. <laughs> Welcome to Product Coffee, a podcast where product professionals from Ibotta share stories, advice, and thoughts on all things. Pro- oh, God. It's early. One more time. I'm sorry. sorry. You got on that. all things product. Okay. <laughs>